My message this evening uh, comes from the book of Ezekiel, and our church actually, uh, we started studying the book of Ezekiel a little bit last year, and it, and it came all the way into this year, and so that sermon has uh, kind of sprang out of our study of the book of Ezekiel. So we'll be familiar maybe to some of my members since we studied it quite in depth, but I hope it will be a blessing to all of you. Um, our message this evening is entitled, Watchmen on the walls. And before we get into God's word, I invite you to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for bringing each person here tonight or to the Winlock camp meeting. Father, we have come because we want to grow closer to you or we want to, to fellowship with you. We want to dig deeper into your word. We want to have a deeper understanding of it, Lord. Not for selfish purposes, Lord, but so that we can go and share the good news with all the world. Father, we pray that your spirit would be our teacher today, Lord, that you would speak through me, speak through your holy word. And I pray that each person here, Lord, would gain a blessing from you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Early on November 8th of 2018, something terribly tragic happened in California. That's right, campfire. Campfire happened, you guys remember it? It was all over the news, right? A total tragedy there in the state of California. The fire started out small and it grew to a blazing inferno in just a very, very short time. The fire spread and caused utter destruction all throughout its path. It burned for a total of 18 days. They were trying to put it out for 18 days. It destroyed over 19,000 buildings and over 150,000 acres of land, including the Paradise Seventh-day Adventist Church, unfortunately. Our very own Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Paradise was burned to the ground. It was the deadliest and most destructive wildfire in California state history. That's how significant it was. 88 people died in this wildfire that came upon them so suddenly. So suddenly that by the time many of them were aware that there was a fire, they were already in great great danger and it was very difficult for some to get out i'm sure that you probably listened to some of the stories on the news uh, last year when this was taking place well the next day there was one there was one survivor a lady by the name of cat costa and she uh, uses a social media network called twitter and she uh, tweeted this she said to the annoying person who drove through my neighborhood yesterday morning honking like a maniac and waking me from a pleasant sleep Thank you. You saved my life. Thank you. You saved my life. Cat was awakened by a watchman that morning, by someone who saw that danger was coming and went to warn others of that impending danger. But I'm sure that when she first started to wake up, she wasn't very excited to be so rudely awakened, right? Normally, uh, you'd like to wake up gently and, you know, gradually, but not so suddenly with honking like that. I'm sure that when she first started to wake up, she wasn't happy, but when she realized what was going on, when she saw the smoke outside her windows, she was eternally grateful for that honking maniac who went down her road, warning those that were there. Sadly, like many others, her house burned down that day. Unfortunately, so many houses burned down that day. 
This isn't a picture of her house, but it's a picture of many of the neighborhoods there in, in Paradise. That annoying watchman in the car saved Kat's life and possibly many, many others that day by honking and going down the different roads. Watchmen are needed in this world. Watchmen are needed. Back in Bible times, watchmen would stand on the walls of a city or they would be in a tower and they would be watching out for danger. They would be looking for oncoming enemies that were approaching the town. There would always be someone on duty morning, noon, and nights. All throughout the day, someone was there. At stated times, watchmen were required to call out to one another, to the other watchmen that were there on the walls, to make sure that they were all awake and that no harm had come upon them. Often their cries were heard all around the walls of the city. It was a vitally important work. Watchmen were needed that were reliable, right? You, won't, you don't want a watchman that's going to fall asleep on the, on, the, on the job, right? That could be detrimental to the, the village or the city there. You needed someone that would be faithful to duty because, of, because upon their faithfulness depended the safety of all that were in the city. In modern times, we have modern day watchmen, don't we? We have the police. They, they help keep us safe. Uh, we have the military. They keep us safe on a global scale. Uh, we have weathermen that keep us safe from, from dangerous storms. They warn us when things like that are approaching. In the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 4, put this verse there on the screen. Some verses will be on the screen, some won't, so I hope you have your Bibles. Romans, chapter 13, verse 4. Paul writes of the physical watchmen that look out for the people, and he describes them as this. He says, they are God's minister to do you good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So, they are God's ministers to execute wrath on those that practice evil. And I'm thankful for our modern day watchmen, aren't you? They help keep us safe. Are they perfect? No, they're not. They make mistakes, just like you and I. But the majority of them want to just do what's right. They want to protect the communities in which they're serving in, right? And we should be subject to them so long as what they request doesn't violate the will of God. Amen? So we ought to obey God rather than man. So not only were there physical watchmen in Bible times, but we see that God also had spiritual watchmen as well. Some were faithful and some were not. The Bible tells us in, in Ezekiel, uh, actually Isaiah, I don't have this one on the screen, so go ahead and go there with me. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 10. In Isaiah's day, uh, the watchmen were not doing their job well. And Isaiah writes about it in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. And when you get there, let me know by saying amen. amen. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 10. Amen. Isaiah 56 verse 10, the Bible says, His watchmen... Amen. Thank you. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain. 
from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine, and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today, and much more abundance. Sadly, as you can see from this verse, many of the religious leaders of Isaiah's day were unfaithful watchmen. They were blind. They were sleeping on the job, so to speak. They loved to slumber. Now, of all things, you want a watchman that will actually stay awake when they're on the post of duty, right? That would be an absolute tragedy for a watchman to fall asleep when danger is approaching. But here we see that the spiritual leaders of Isaiah's day, they were looking out only for themselves and for their own greedy gain. They were intoxicated with wine, which led them to have a uh, it led them to be complacent with their work and to also have an overly optimistic view of the future, that there would never be any problems, that, there, that tomorrow would be the same as it was today, never any danger. It's sad that the leaders of Isaiah's day could be so corrupt, but sadly we see many of these characteristics today in the churches of the world, don't we? We see many of these characteristics, but praise God that in Bible times we do see faithful watchmen, and Ezekiel was one of those faithful watchmen. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 2. I'm going to spend a little time in Ezekiel this evening. Ezekiel, chapter 2. Verse 1. In Ezekiel 2, just to give you a little context, God's people are now captives in the land of Babylon. And according to Ezekiel 1.1, they've been in captivity for about five years now, which is a, a fair bit of time, right? To be away from your homeland, away from the temple in which they worship the God of heaven. And here we see that though God had sent his people into captivity, God is still pursuing his people. He's still reaching out to them. He's reaching out to Ezekiel so that Ezekiel will become a watchman. Now, Ezekiel 1.1 tells us that Ezekiel was about 30 years of age, and that uh, that would be the time that a Levite would typically begin their temple services. So um, if, if he was a Levite, he would have been beginning his priestly services there in Jerusalem, but he wasn't in Jerusalem, and so he therefore wasn't able to do that. But it's interesting that God calls him at age 30 not to be a priest, but to be a spiritual watchman for the people. Let's look at what God tells him there in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And he, that is God, said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. I can just imagine that Ezekiel is, at, is in awe at this moment. He's seen a spectacular thing there in Ezekiel chapter 1. He's, he's, he's seen a, an amazing vision. And wondering what the God of heaven wants to tell him at this moment. Notice what God tells him in verse 3. He says, and, and he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent. That is, that word is disrespectful. They are disrespectful and stubborn children. Now, I guess you don't have to raise your hand, but have any of you been around disrespectful or stubborn children? It's not very pleasant, is it? When they don't listen to you or they're purposely disrespectful, that is not fun. But here God is saying that the whole nation is disrespectful. They're rebellious. 
the rebellion against the God of heaven. And even here in captivity, you think they would have learned their lesson by being taken captive, right? And that they would immediately turn back to God. But it says that they are still transgressing to this day. And it's offensive to God. Look at the rest of verse 4. It says, God says to Ezekiel, I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. So simple enough instructions for Ezekiel, right? Go to this rebellious people and just tell them, thus says the Lord. Tell them what I tell you, is what God is telling Ezekiel. Simple enough. Notice what God tells Ezekiel next in verse 6. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Was he talking about literal scorpions there? No, he's talking about the people, how rebellious they are, and how abrasive. Do not be afraid of their words, or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. So notice that God tells him three times not to be afraid. He says, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their words, and do not be dismayed by their looks. You know, it's hard to preach to a people that don't want to listen, right? Very difficult. Do you think God knew what was going on in Ezekiel's mind as, as he's talking to him? Absolutely. I mean, how would you uh, like it if, if God came and told you, um, I want you to come and I want you to go preach to a rebellious people and they're not really going to listen to you? That would be a little tough to hear, right? Why, God? Why do you want me to go? <laughs> you know, you'd be a little bit afraid if they are so abrasive and uh, if they don't want to hear what you have to say or what God has to say. So God tries to encourage him. He says, do not be afraid. Just be faithful. Just speak the words that I give you. And in verse 7, God begins to tell Ezekiel how to be a faithful watchman. In verse 7, it says, God says, you shall speak whose words? my words to them, whether they hear you or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. So this brings us to the first characteristic of a faithful watchman. We're going to look at seven characteristics of being a faithful watchman for God tonight. The first is that a faithful watchman will hear God's word and they will eat it up, so to speak. They will, they will take in God's word. They will spend time in the word of God. Jeremiah uses very similar language to this, eat it up. Uh, in Jeremiah 15, 16, there on the screen, Jeremiah writes, Your words were found, that is, God's words were found, and I did what? I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name. Oh God of hosts. So God wants us to eat up his word. He wants us to take joy in spending time with him in his holy word. Do we look forward to spending time in God's word? I hope and pray that we do. Amen. That's why you're here. That's why you're here tonight. Amen. Because you wanted to get into God's word and dig deeper over the course of this weekend. I pray that God will give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness, a hunger and thirst for digging deeper into his word in these last days, like never before. 
so that we can say like Job, in Job chapter 23, verse 12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Isn't that beautiful? Treasuring the word of God more than our necessary food. So number one, a watchman needs to hear God's word and eat it up. Secondly, a faithful watchman needs to open their mouth and speak the words of God to the people. Notice God doesn't tell Ezekiel to give his own opinions to the masses, right? He doesn't say, go and, and talk to them about what you ate last week or tell them about uh, whatever. He says, this is what you are to say. Thus says the Lord. Paul wholeheartedly agreed with this. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he gives this counsel to, to young Timothy, who's aspiring to the ministry. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the what? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Friends, do you think that time has arrived? I believe that time has definitely arrived. People are starting to even label truth as hate speech, right? Truth as hate speech. Won't be too much longer before the book Great Controversy is banned, I bet, you know? Uh, our, it's, it's crazy what's going on in our world today that people are labeling truth as hate speech. They're turning their ears away from the truth and they are believing fables. But as faithful watchmen, we are to preach the words that God gives us. We're to share the word of God. And there are many ways to share the word of God, amen? You may not feel comfortable necessarily preaching a sermon, but you can write a note, you can write a letter, you can give a, a piece of literature to someone, you can call someone up on the phone and talk to them. There are so many different ways to be able to share the truth. You can get on Facebook, I know many of you are on Facebook, so you can post something there and reach a lot of people for Jesus. There are millions of people, billions of people on there. So we're called to share the Word of God. And there are many ways. And the third characteristic that we can follow to be a faithful watchman is that don't become rebellious like the people you're called to reach. As you're reaching out to people, you don't want to become like the people in their rebellion, right? You want to bring them up higher. You want to draw them closer to Jesus. It seems simple, but oh, how the world tries to suck us in, doesn't it? The world tries to suck us in time and time again. And in order to make sure that, we're not, that we don't become rebellious like the people we're trying to reach, we need to behold Jesus each and every day. Amen? We need to spend time in his word, reflecting on the life of Jesus, committing our lives to him each and every day. Ask Jesus for help and ask him for strength. Only then will we be able to stand for the rights though the heavens fall. As you can imagine, Ezekiel is probably a little bit overwhelmed. He has a very difficult task here, yet God wanted him to go and preach to a rebellious people because God wanted to reach those people. He loved his people so much, and he was sending Ezekiel to them. God then continues this conversation with Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 4 
Then he, that is God, said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have actually, they would have done what? They would have actually listened to you if I would have sent you to them, but I'm sending you to a rebellious people. But the house of Israel, verse 7, the house of Israel will not listen to you because it will not listen to me. They won't listen to you because they won't listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. So the fourth characteristic from this verse here is that faithful watchmen will go wherever God tells them to go. They'll go wherever God says. You know that song that we sing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. That's, that will be the case for a faithful watchman. Whether that's going to Walmart or whether that's going to Africa, you'll go wherever God asks you to go, amen? And do whatever God asks you to do. Don't fight it like Jonah did. That didn't work out so well for a little while, right? So that's, that's the advice from Jonah. Don't, don't fight where God is calling you to go. And as I said a moment ago, it was not easy, it was not easy for Ezekiel to be a watchman. God's people at the time were in very deep apostasy. Their hearts were hard. They didn't sense their need of God. Prior to the captivity, they had actually been sacrificing their children to Molech. It was absolutely terrible. They had been worshiping false gods right there on the Temple Mount, right there where the Temple of God was. It was absolutely awful. But in verse 9, again, God tells Ezekiel, in, in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 9, to not be afraid. He says, like adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you, and hear with your ears. In other words, like he said earlier, eat it up, right? To eat up the word of God. Verse 11, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 11. And go get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. So again, God encourages Ezekiel. And I think God knew that Ezekiel needed a lot of encouragement. <laughs> Because his mission was very difficult. Go and preach to a rebellious people. They're not going to listen to you because they're not going to listen to me. Not easy to do. But the good news is, is that God was there to encourage him. And God will be there to encourage his faithful watchmen in these last days. Amen? Let's drop down now to Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 16. Ezekiel 3 and verse 16. It says, Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. Notice what a faithful watchman needs to do. A faithful watchman needs to faithfully give the warning message that God has given to them to give to the people. To fail to give that warning message is to fail to be a watchman. As spiritual watchmen living in the last days, do we know what our message is? 
Do we know what our message is? Yes. Amen. It's the, what? The three angels' message. Amen. The righteousness of Christ. It is the last message of warning to a lost and dying world. We need to know this message and we need to share this message as Christ gives us opportunity. Drop down now to Ezekiel 3, verse 18. Notice what it says here. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. So if we fail as a watchman in the role that God has appointed to us, the blood of the wicked will be upon our hands. This is a solemn thing, isn't it? This is not something that any of us should take lightly. Does God have many ways to reach people? Yes. yes, he does. Amen. Praise the Lord. God may use you to lead someone from point A to B. He may not lead you all, use you to lead them all the way to Z at one moment. God works in amazing ways. Amen. And we praise him for that. But if God tells us to speak, we should speak. Amen. Yep. God tells us to hand that glow track, we should hand that glow track. But there may be some that may not hear unless you step out in faith and share with them. There, there are people that are under your sphere of influence that, that maybe only you would be able to reach. And, and God will reveal that to you. God will show you who it is that we are to talk to and witness to. Verse 19. Look at what it says here. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 19. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way... He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. And in case Ezekiel didn't quite catch it the first time, God tells him again here in verse 20 and 21, he repeats what he was saying. He says again, When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. This is serious business, right? God is entrusting Ezekiel and to all watchmen this charge. And it is a serious charge, something that we should not take lightly. To fail to give God's warning message is to fail to be the watchman God has called us to be. Yes. Someone could be lost. That's serious. That's very serious. It's very sobering. I don't take this responsibility lightly as a pastor, and no watchman should. I want you to know that I covet and I appreciate your prayers. I know my church family prays for me. I know that from both churches, and I, I appreciate that so much. And we need to pray for all of our leaders in God's church. Amen? Amen? Pray that we will be faithful to the call that God has placed on our lives, to be faithful watchmen. Amen. I like what the book Acts of the Apostles says uh, there on page 361. She writes, The words of the prophet declare the solemn responsibility of those who are appointed as guardians of the church of God, stewards of the, mystery, the mysteries of God. They are to stand as watchmen on the walls of Zion, to sound the note of alarm at the approach of the enemy. Souls are in danger of falling under temptation, and they will perish 
unless God's ministers are faithful to their trust. If for any reason their spiritual senses become so benumbed that they are unable to discern danger, and through their failure to give warning, the people perish, God will require at their hands the blood of those who are lost. As I said before, pray for your ministers. Amen? Yes. Pray that they will be faithful watchmen. Pray that we can lovingly warn the people and point them to Jesus. Pray that we will be filled with the Spirit of God each and every day. For Ezekiel, it was difficult to be a watchman. God made him mute for a time. How would you like that? Not being able to speak for a period of time? <laughs> that would be a little bit difficult for some of us, right? <laughs> Other times, God had Ezekiel perform action signs, and some of them were, were a little bit bizarre to let people know what was coming upon them. At times, people thought that Ezekiel was crazy. And if you and I are faithful watchmen, faithfully preaching the message, some people might think that we're crazy too. That's just the reality, right? At the end of time, they will call those that believe what the Bible actually says they will believe that they are straight-laced fanatics, right? Or extremists. Just for believing what the Bible says. I don't think we're that far away, friends. I don't think we're, I think we're there. But even though it was extremely hard for Ezekiel to be a faithful watchman, uh, to be a watchman, Ezekiel was faithful. God helped him to be faithful. And again, in Ezekiel 33, God explains to Ezekiel his role as a watchman. Look at it there in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 1. The Bible says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning... If the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. So if the watchman does his job faithfully, the blood will be upon their heads, not the watchman's. Verse, verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpets, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpets, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. We're in verse 7 there. Verse 7 says, So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not warn, speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore, verse 10, Therefore, you, son, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you say, if, your, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Yeah. 
This brings us to our fifth characteristic of a faithful watchman. The fifth is that they recognize when danger is near and they blow the trumpet. Do we have any trumpet players out there? Anyone that ever played the trumpet? Not, not one person. Okay, I'll raise, okay, there is one. I also play the trumpet. I know it's not a quiet instrument, right? It is very loud at times. And a faithful watchman is to recognize, pay attention, be alert to know when danger is coming and blow that trumpet and get the attention of the people. That means they need to be knowing what to look for. They need to know the signs of the times and to realize that they're being fulfilled. They can't just sit, sit idly, idly by uh, not giving the warning message. And number six, the sixth characteristic is that they will help people see God's true character of love. They will, see, they will help people see that he's not some tyrant that wants to burn people forever and ever in the fires of hell, right? That verse that we just read says that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Isn't that good news? Amen. There are some people that believe that God sustains people throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity, burning them in hell. Is that good news? No, it's not. What does it do to God's character? Makes him look terrible. Makes him look terrible. As Seventh-day Adventists, we have a beautiful truth in our understanding of what happens when people die. Amen? And eternal destruction. So that's what we're called to do as spiritual watchmen. Called to help people see God's true character of love. They're called to look out for God's people and also for the world. To point them to safety. To point them to Jesus. I like what it says in Acts of the Apostles, page 361. This is a beautiful quote. It says, It is the privilege of the watchmen on the walls of Zion to live so near to God and to be susceptible to the impressions of His Spirit that He can work through them to tell men and women of their peril and point them to the place of safety. Faithfully are they to warn them of the sure result of transgression and faithfully are they to safeguard the interests of the church. At no time may they relax their vigilance. It's a privilege to live near to God, isn't it? Yes. It's a privilege to live near to God. We're going to be living near to God throughout all eternity, amen? And if we're going to be doing that, we need to be doing it now, or we won't be there, amen? It continues, it says, Theirs is a work requiring the exercise of every faculty of the being. And trumpet tones or voices are to be lifted, and never are they to sound one wavering, uncertain note. Not for wages are they to labor, but because they cannot do otherwise. Because they realize that there is a woe upon them if they fail to preach the gospel. Chosen of God, sealed with the blood of consecration, they are to rescue men and women from impending destruction. Friends, many are asleep in these last days. They're asleep and the signs of the times are happening all around us. They need a little nudge, amen? Some of them need to be slapped up a little bit in, I mean that in the nicest way, you guys know what I'm saying, right? As a watchman, we are to blow the trumpet, blast the trumpet, that's, that's pretty loud, right? In, in, in love, tactfully, of course. But pastor, you say, aren't the watchmen just pastors? church leaders well it definitely includes pastors amen definitely includes pastors they have a major role but it's more than just pastors it's elders it's deacons it's deaconesses it's all of us 
Amen? We're all called to be watchmen. I like this quote here from the ninth volume of the Testimonies, page 19. It says, In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as what? Watchmen. Watchmen. Do we have any Seventh-day Adventists here today? Okay, we do, right? So that means you and I, we are what? Yes. We're watchmen, right? Okay, in a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. What would that be? The three angels' message, right? It's the last message of warning to the world. On them is shining wonderful light from the Word of God. So, so precious, that light. They have been given a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. So God has set you and I in this world to be watchmen and to be light bearers, to, to shine the truth bright everywhere we go, to reflect Jesus and his character to the world around us. Light has shined on us from the word of God. Are we soaking up that light? Are we walking in the light as he is in the light? As believers and as watchmen, as light bearers, we need to be all in in these last days. We need to be fully committed to the Lord. I like what uh, this quote from 1904 says from letter 69. It says, Today, as then, men of determination are needed. Men who are still who still stand stiffly for the truth at all times and under all circumstances. Men who, when they see that others are becoming untrue to principle, will lift their voice in warning against the danger of apostasy. So how will they do it? How will they warn others? Well, they will do it in love. Amen? They will do it in the love of God. They will do it under the guidance of the Spirit of God. They will follow the impressions of the, of the Holy Spirit to speak to people. And they'll do it at all times and under all circumstances. They will stand for God. Notice an area that we often maybe overlook as watchmen. I have this quote. It's so, so powerful. It says there in Pacific Union Recorder, 1901 there, God has appointed who? The church. The church. Is that a building or is that a body of believers? Body. That's a body of believers, right? God has appointed the church as a watchman to have jealous care over who? The children. God loves the children, doesn't he? Yeah. He loves us all, but he loves the children too. And as a sentinel, to see the approach of the enemy and give warning of danger. But the church does not realize the situation. It is sleeping on guard. It's a dangerous thing as a watchman to be sleeping on guard, right? In this time of peril, the fathers and mothers... And I would even add, grandparents, aunts and uncles, must awake and work as for life, or many of the youth will be forever lost. We as a church family, as a body of believers, have a duty to look out for the children and youth of our church. Amen? All around the world, we are to care for them. We are to reach out to them, train them up, disciple them, teach them what it means to follow Jesus and to be a part of his last day movement. We cannot sleep while on duty. Parents and fathers and mothers, they are also to be watchmen. They must be awake and look out for their children to make sure that they are thoroughly trained in the Word of God, trained to, to know that God is real, that God loves them. 
As watchmans, we can't bury our head in the sand and pretend that we live in a perfect world. We don't, right? There are a lot of temptations, a lot of things that the kids these days have to deal with that maybe we didn't have to deal with when we were younger, right? Sure. It's time to watch and pray as watchmen. Amen? Amen? It's time to be on guard. It's time to give the warning messages in love. The Bible says that some will even have to be snatched from the fire in these last days. And sometimes that requires tough love, doesn't it? Sometimes that requires tough love. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, I'll put it there on the screen for you, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. So because Jesus loves us, he often rebukes us, doesn't he? I don't know about you, but when I read the word of God, sometimes it rebukes me. And that's a good thing because Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you, and he's trying to get our attention in these last days. He wants our hearts. He wants us to be on fire for him. And he wants us to repent and turn to him with all our hearts. To leave us in our sins, it wouldn't be love, would it? Wouldn't be love. To not rebuke us when we're going astray, that wouldn't be love. Oh, the world says, oh, just accept them, accept their sin. It's just who they are. That's true love. That's what the world tells us. But friends, if we truly love them as souls for whom Christ died for, we can't accept and love their sin. Amen? We can love them, but we don't have to love the sins. If we truly love them, we will rebuke them in love in the Spirit of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we go around constantly rebuking people. Amen? We shouldn't be going around constantly rebuking people. Uh, this should be done very carefully and with much prayer. Amen? with the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was our perfect example in this. I love what it says in the book Desire of Ages, page 353. Christ himself did not suppress one word of truth. Amen? Did not suppress one word of truth, but he spoke it always in love. He exercised the greatest tact and thoughtful, kind attention in his intercourse with the people. He was never rude, never needlessly spoke a severe word, Never needlessly, ne never gave needless pain to a sensitive soul. He did not censure human weakness. He fearlessly denounced hypocrisy, unbelief, and iniquity. But tears were in his voice as he uttered his scathing rebukes. We want to be like Jesus, amen? We want to be like Jesus. If you can't be like Jesus in, <laughs> in rebuking someone, you shouldn't rebuke them, amen? should be tears, tears in the voice. You have to have a heart for the person. And if you don't have a heart for the person, you shouldn't talk to that person. But God wants to give you a heart for everyone. Amen. He wants to give you the passion for the lost. And that brings us to our seventh characteristic of a faithful watchman. Number seven is that they won't suppress the truth. Not one word, but they will speak it in love like Jesus. They will speak the truth in love just like Jesus. So let's review here. Let's review our characteristics of a faithful watchman. The first was that they need to hear God's word and they need to eat it up. Amen? We want to hear God's word each and every day. We want to eat it up. We want to digest it. We want to dig deeper into it than ever before. Secondly, second characteristic of a faithful watchman is that they are to open their mouth 
and speak God's words to the people. They're supposed to speak a message that God is giving them to give to the people. And thirdly, they're to not become rebellious like the people that they're called to reach. Ezekiel was called to go to a rebellious people that weren't going to listen to him, but he was only able to be faithful because he was beholding God. Amen. He was spending time with God each and every day. By beholding, we become changed. Yes. We see here the fourth characteristic is that a faithful watchman will go wherever God wants them to go. That's the best policy for any of us, amen, is to be where God wants us to be, whether that's to Walmart or whether that's to Zimbabwe. We want to be faithful to God. We want to go where he wants us to go. And number five, we want to, a faithful watchman needs to recognize when danger is near and blow that trumpet. Blow that trumpet. There's a lot of ways to blow that trumpet in these last days, and God wants to use you uh, to do that. Number six, sixth characteristic is that they will they will help people see God's true character of love. God's character has been maligned by by error, friends. There are so many people that believe that God is a tyrant, but we have the beautiful truths of God's word, amen, that show that God is truly a God of love that cares for all people. And number seven, faithful watchmen won't suppress the truth, not one word. Just like Jesus, they will speak the truth in love. Do you want to be a faithful watchman? It's by God's grace and through his strength. I want to end this evening with a story about someone that was a faithful watchman. Her name was Kate Shelley. Has anyone ever heard of her? Okay. Kate Shelley lived, she grew up in poverty. She was the oldest of four surviving children, and she lived with her widowed mother and helped hold the remote farmland household together after her father died. Her father, Michael, had worked for the railroad and unfortunately had been killed in an accident, a train accident, when Kate was 13. Shortly after, her oldest brother, Mike Jr., drowned in the Honey Creek River. Terrible tragedies in her life as a young girl. Now she's 15. The date is July 6, 1881. There was a terrible storm that night, and for a week prior, the Des Moines River there in Iowa had been cresting, and it was ready to burst. The storm pushed it over the edge, raising it six inches within an hour with no signs of it stopping. Kate was actually aware of how bad the storm was earlier in the day and had been getting, uh, trying to rescue the animals there on her family's farm, uh, including some baby pigs that were stuck in a pile of hay. And she finally got the animals out when the floods came and, and took the barn downstream. As she, as she worked, that day, she had seen remnants of bridges floating down the river. Bridges had been getting destroyed by the flooding that had happened. And 11 out of the 21 bridges in Des Moines area were destroyed that day. At 11 p.m. that night, she heard a shriek of metal in the distance. Immediately, she knew what this was. Another bridge had given out. And this time, it was with a test engine that was going to test the tracks to make sure that the, the integrity of the tracks were still in, in place so that they could send a passenger train on that, on that track. She knew that the test engine was just a, a mere, mere precursor to that, that a passenger train would be coming shortly, and so she quickly grabbed her jacket, got her lantern, and she went out the door trying to see if she could go and help. She knew that danger was near. 
She ran, she was the first person there to uh, the scene where, where the train had gone over into the river. Four people had been on board that, uh, that, that uh, train there. And uh, Kate saw two people there in the river that were holding on to a tree. She, she recognized them, they recognized her, and she knew that they were okay for now, and they, they reached out to her and said, go to the station and tell them not to send the train. And so she quickly got up, and she climbed uh, up the crumbling tracks that were, that were not very safe, 25 feet above water under normal conditions, and slowly began wake, making her way across this uh, train track bridge. And her lantern soon shattered uh, as she was climbing, so she had no light. The only light that she had was when the lightning would flash, then she could see better where she was going. Her dress continually got caught on the railroad spikes. The jagged wood cut her hands, and the dislodged tree nearly rammed into her as it was floating downstream. For 670 miserable feet, she slowly eked her way forward across, trying to warn people. She's trying to get to the people to warn them of the danger that is ahead. And finally, she got to Moingona, and she went there to warn the people. And the first agent who saw her dismissed her and thought that she was crazy. She thought that she was crazy. But thankfully, another railroad agent saw her and recognized her, and he stopped the train. The disaster was diverted. Over 200 people were going to be on that train that day, and they were safe because of what Kate had done. Kate was a watchman. She saw that danger was coming, and she went to help. She went to help. And she didn't leave those two people there in the river. She went back with help, and they rescued them too. And it was really an amazing thing. 200 lives were saved that day by her heroic efforts. And she was greatly rewarded for her efforts. The, rail, the railroad company immediately gave her and her family a barrel, a half barrel of flour and a, and a load of coal, which back then would have been a lot, right? Especially for her family that was hurting and struggling. But that was only the beginning. Over the next several years, she received a gold watch she received a free college scholarship. She got to go to college for free. And their family mortgage was paid off by generous people there in the community. An award was established in her name to celebrate women in the railroad industry. A train was named after her. A bridge was named after her. And a lodge, a railroad lodge, was named after her as well. But the greatest honor in her life was a lifetime job with the railroad. She really wanted to, to, to work on the railroad where her dad had worked, and uh, it was just an amazing thing. She saw the need, she saw the danger that was coming, and she went. She was a faithful watchman. So my question for you and I today is, how many of you want to be faithful watchmen? It's only by God's grace, friends. It's only by God's grace that we can. The world needs to be warned. People need to know that Jesus is coming soon. You and I, we have longed for it for a long time, amen? And one day soon, he's going to come and we're going to say, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. I long for that day. And I want to bring as many people with me as I can. And I hope and pray that you do too. May God help us to be his faithful watchmen in these last days. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you so much that you have called each one of us to be your watchman here in these last days. Lord, it's not an easy calling. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to, 
to, to share a message with, with a world that sometimes just doesn't want to hear it. But Lord, we know that there are people out there that do. They want to hear it. They want, they, they sense that there is more to life than just the, the busyness of work and, and school and studies, Lord, but that there's, there's a God that loves them. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us in big ways and in small ways and in any way you possibly can, Lord, to reach the lost around us. Pray, Lord, that you would set up divine appointments throughout our, our days, throughout our weeks, Lord, that we would have spiritual eyesight, spiritual discernment to know who it is that you would have us to talk to, who it is that you would have us give a piece of literature to. I pray, Father, that you would help us, give us boldness. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Lord, help us to have some of that boldness so that we can go out and share the good news with the world that is dying. Lord, we've seen characteristics of a faithful watchman. And Lord, we want to have those characteristics. We want to exemplify them in our lives. We want to point people to you as the Lamb of God, Lord, the Savior of the world. And we pray, Lord, that people would turn to you in these last days and that we could just play a humble part in that role, Lord, that we could cooperate with you and your Holy Spirit and the holy angels and that people could come up to us in heaven and say, it was because of you that I'm here. It was because you gave me that literature. It was, you gave me that book. You gave me that sermon. You said something on Facebook that made me think about God. Lord, I pray that that would be our experience and that you would give us the boldness we need in these last days. Lord, bless each one of us. May this weekend be a time of spiritual revival, Lord, for each one of us. May we dig deeper into your word than ever before, Lord. And may we leave this place as your faithful watchman is my humble prayer. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.